0: Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast passionate about the Scottish food and drink scene. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and this week we take some time to look ahead to some of the most exciting food and drink events in Scotland for 2023. First up, I talk to Romano Petrucci about the Stranar Oyster Festival. Born of a desire to inject some much-needed tourism into the area, Romano tells me how the festival came about, and about the only remaining wild oyster bed in the whole of Scotland, which lies just off Stranar. Next up, I spoke to Cara Houchen, editor of the Staff Canteen, an industry website for Chefs. Cara also hosts Grilled, a podcast attached to the website. They're bringing the podcast to the Gannet in Glasgow this March. Cara tells me about the podcast and the famous faces that will be joining them for this exclusive evening of dining and entertainment. Finally, I'm joined by Jamie DeLapp, managing director of Fine Ales and Fine Fest. Jamie's family business has been on the same site for well over a hundred years and in recent times has become the location for Finefest, a beer and music festival which keeps growing in popularity. Jamie tells me about how all this came about and shares with us the exciting plans for this year's event in September. I'm now joined by Romano and we're here to talk about the Strenar Oyster Festival. Hi Romano, how are you? I'm absolutely
1: fine Rosalind. thank you. Yourself?
0: Yeah, good, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so this episode is all about food and drink events to look forward to in the coming year. We're in February, it's still quite cold and dark, but soon it'll be nice warm weather, hopefully, in the spring and summer. So before we get into it all, could you just tell us a little bit about your role with the festival?
1: Yeah, I'm the chairman of the Strenard Development Trust. We set up about seven years ago with the aim of uh, trying our best to regenerate a town that had suffered eventually. The threat of many, many years and the shock of the boats moving about six miles up the coast to Cairn Ryan, leaving this tried and tested infrastructure that was Stranraer that had, to be honest, probably taken it for granted for so long. 3.2 million potential visitors six miles up the road. They might as well have been 60 miles. It changed the face of Stranar for everything. And I think for a while we moaned and groaned and complained and all the rest of it and then eventually a group of like-minded business people got together and thought let's stop moaning and let's see what we have on our doorstep and see what we can do to try and improve things and that was the beginning of what became the first ever oyster festival in the history of Scotland something we're really really proud of and something that I hope it's okay to say made BBC one last night so we're really proud of where we are and this year will be our fifth festival so we're very very excited about it and we're hard at working even now with it.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about the BBC programme just in case anyone's not seen it and wants to catch up?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's called uh, Food Fest, and it's Colin, Murray and Edith Bowman and they were good enough to come down to last year's festival and coupled in with showing us a lot about how sweets and milk are produced in Scotland, they spent a good whole entire day with us, uh, saw the opening of the festival and saw the closing of the first night uh, in torrential rain. The only yellow weather warning of a a period of 18 weekends. We managed to pick that weekend to have our festival. But still, it was absolutely jammed. And uh, they came down and told a bit of the story about where we came from and why we were there. And uh, it was a real boost for us. And actually, I was speaking to my my two staff, who are uh, my two very best friends through all this as well now, uh, Alan and Alana, last night, and just saying actually how very emotional it was to see there was something about it that said we've made it, that you know, we're, we're a part of the structure of the country. We're important to people. We improve people's lives. We're, it was very, very exciting to, to see us getting that far and taking it. Because let's be honest, I remember at the beginning people telling me, oysters, nobody likes oysters. People won't want to eat oysters. But then uh, there was much, much more of a story to it. And uh, we were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to tell it. And as the person who thought an Oyster Festival would be a good idea, I was fortunate enough to have a board that believed in me. And very, very, very fortunate to find staff along the way who are absolutely incredible and put together the most fantastic two and a half days in September. At the end of the summer, when the town's maybe quieting down and accepting that the summer's been what it has been to them, a lovely little boost. There's going to be this year over six, seven million quid brought in from the festival over the previous four festivals and we will welcome a 75,000 visitor. Not bad for a wee town of 10,000.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Can you just tell us a little bit about why you decided on the Oyster Festival? Is there like a history of oyster fishing in the area or like what was it that kind of got you to that point?
1: Well, I always tell this story. I, I was working away. I've got a fish and chip shop in Scremart and I was working away and we'd had a strange occurrence because we had two board meetings in the space of two weeks. I can't remember exactly what the reason was. What I do remember is I remember at the first board meeting, leaving all the board members with an opportunity. And the opportunity was to come back in a week's time and tell me what they thought we could do to regenerate Stranar. And a week later, everybody came back with ideas. And every one of them was suitable. And every one of them were adventurous and so on and so forth. But for whatever reason, that night, we all left and we agreed that we were going to give this Oyster Festival a go. We were fortunate also that night to have someone from the council there who said, look, I think I can go away and get a couple of thousand pound funding and I then go out and do a case study and ask the chefs and the bed and breakfasts and the hotels and the fishermen, what's their opinion about this plan that we have? Because I'd written out a basic blueprint of how I saw the festival unfolding. Music, food, kids entertained, community, so on and so forth. They went away, they found the funding, they did it, and they came back incredibly enthusiastic about the reaction of people. It blew me away, and I was confident it would work anyway. But from that point on, the festival was born. During that period, I'd been working one day, and an older lady came in with a picture, and I I was busy. And she said, "Eh, have you thought about, I know you're trying to regenerate the town, Romano, have you thought about the oysters we've got? I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue, I'm embarrassed to say, that we had not just an oyster bed a mile and a half from where I was standing, but the only and last remaining wild and native oyster bed in all of Scotland. I was immediately excited. I literally ran up the stairs. I got a bit of paper. I wrote one to 50. I stood outside. I stood inside and asked the first 50 people I saw, do you know that we've got the last wild and native oyster bed remaining in Scotland? 49 people never had a clue, and I was one of them. And from that moment, it was born. And uh, about 16 months later, we had the first oyster festival.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know that either. So yeah, that's really, it's really
1: cool. It was, it was really, it was exciting times. It was exciting times. And then it was a case of, you know, it's all right having a blueprint and a dream and the passion and enthusiasm. You've then got to find the people that are going to help you deliver it. And eh, we were really fortunate. We found some really good people the first year and the second year. But then the second year, it, 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 it really took off. I mean, the confidence we got from the first year, the just that know, was 10,000 people turned up. And to see that and experience it after 16 months of work and just taking for granted that everything would just be there if you opened up every day as a business because so many people use the boat. They arrive early, they arrive late, uh, they miss the boat, the boats are called off, whatever. It was always there for us. And it was just such a feeling to think that we were doing something for ourselves but the overwhelming feeling of positivity was the community support. We needed volunteers. We needed people to fill stalls. We needed people to play music. We needed folk to come along and sell us their produce. Uh, second year in particular, we had a marquee that was completely filled with local seafood produce uh, in particular. And it just kind of blows you away at what you've got on your doorstep. And I think it creates a pride. I think a lot of people get a surprise at what there is on your doorstep. And it was very evident very soon that we had so much produce that was such high quality and sought after. I mean, for example, our oysters today, they will go in the refrigerated lorry and they will go down to the south of England to be purified and then you can buy them tonight, but they'll cost you £80, £90 pounds in Harrods in London. And in the finest restaurants all over England and all over Europe, that's where our oysters go. And that's that's crazy in itself, you know, that we haven't had that opportunity to experience and enjoy and be proud of those those oysters because they are absolutely unique. They taste fantastic.
0: What can people expect from this year's festival? Like, First of all, when is it? What, what are the dates? And then what, what can folk expect if they've never been before?
1: So every year we have the festival over a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, kicking off at six o'clock on a Friday night, usually finishing about six, seven o'clock on the Sunday. Changed a few things last year. to is genu- genuinely bigger and better every year. And every single year for the last four, I've met with the staff after it and we've been really critical of ourselves. Although, you know, being honest, we, we get an economic impact report done and the agency that do it have went out of the road to say, we've never carried out an economic impact report on event, an event where we've seen such positivity and such little negativity about what you're doing wrong. But we know we're doing things wrong and we certainly know we can do things better. If you haven't experienced the previous four, what I'll say this year is, in previous years we've had a firework display to open it. This year we're very close to completing the possibility of having a firework display but from two planes in the sky. Oh, wow. Which is really, really exciting, but we're, we're, so we're working on that. But we have a, an incredible music menu, really and truly. We've got some very talented musicians in the town. It's known locally, it's known in, in, in the Rins and throughout the Free and Galloway as the music town. And we have a couple of chaps, Ross and you and Alexander, who have put together a really incredible, uh, it's a sympathetic kind of menu of music. You know, you start with your brass band, which is so, so enjoyed. And you end up, obviously, later on in the Friday night with a bit of ska or whatever else. On the Sunday, we have uh, some old time sailors come in, but music start to finish. So the music aspect of it and the entertainment marquee is fantastic. A lovely big bar for all the Prosecco and wine and beer and whatever else you wish to enjoy. We have a really busy professional kitchen and we always have celebrity chefs from Nick Nairn to Hardeep. Uh, last year we had Claudia McKenna. Uh, we're working on it this year. We feel as if we've got enough behind us that we're going to look at the possibility again of having more than one celebrity chef because we we, we realise the last two years in particular that Folk are coming a long way because they like the idea of the weekend. It's the food, it's the the healthiness of it. It's the weekend away and all the rest of it. You can't get a bed for 25 miles anywhere. Even the small villages are jammed out. So it's something that we want to really add to. In the beginning, it was fine. with the a full kid's entertainment. Uh, They're out in the water paddle boarding. They're silent disco dancing. They're being educated. And that will always be the way and the final aspect of it, apart from everything else that goes on outside, which is weather permitting, is we have a stallholder marquee. And again, the incredible staff that, that do this for us, Alan and Alana, they're extremely careful and pernickety about what goes in there. It's such a popular and high quality marquee stall. It's astonishing the amount of people from it that have came forward and say they work all over the place, all summer, all over Scotland, in the north of England, and there's nothing that even compares to the popularity of when they come here. I think a lot of that is down to our insistence that we have quality and not quantity of everything. And it's really worked very well for us. So from the stall to the professional marquee, to the kids marquee, to all that goes on outside, right up onto the entertainment marquee, it's a really full, wholesome weekend of community. Sounds good. Um, And so what are the the
0: dates this year?
1: So the dates this year are the 15th, 16th and 17th of September. Now, that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On the Saturday, we would normally hold a thing called the the Oyster Big Bash, which is a party for 700 people, and it's on the ice rink down at the North West Castle Hotel. Last year, we had that, as always, but we also stayed open late down at the the festival site, and we just felt as if that we didn't do that greatly well. That was more my insistence that we we did that, and I felt as if I was torn between two places, and there's only so much you can do. So this year, we're going to have the Big Bash two weeks prior to the festival, the plan being the 10 days after the Big Bash leading up to the opening of the festival, we're going to really take over the town. We're going to fill the cafes and places with Oyster Festival cups and the staff with Oyster Festival t-shirts and really bring the place alive. And that's the plan, which I think will really add to the community aspect of it because that's been something that's been completely overwhelming for us. You know, 140 volunteers turning up for you to help you over a weekend. You can't do it without them. But, you know, to give their time over an entire weekend when they've probably worked a hard week already is fantastically humbling. And uh, so that's something that's a really, really important part of all of our plans.
0: Well, it sounds great. Um, so apart from your own festival, is there any other in Scotland that you are looking forward to or would recommend people visit?
1: I think over the last few years we've concentrated locally. And locally, what I've noticed is an increase in what's going on in this area. Now. It's really important for this area that we do that. You don't pass through Stranar. You don't come across Stranar by accident. You only ever came here to get the boat to Northern Ireland. That's the sad truth. The reality is we have got so much more going on in this area. Anybody that's been to the beauty that is Port Patrick will know what I'm talking about. And they have the festival there eh, and their lifeboat week eh, at the end of August. Anybody that's travelled maybe further afield to... Whithorn and Isle of Whithorn, there's plenty going on down there. In Wigton, we have the Wigton Book Festival. The Wigton Book Festival lasts for two weeks and is basically known worldwide now. We have our cattle show. We're a very predominantly farming community here. It's a huge, huge part of everything to do with the community. And, you know, there's five and six and 7,000 people turn up at the cattle show on the last Wednesday in July there. And over and above that, you know, we've got a few plans of things that we would like to do but the ultimate aim for the Stranar Development Trust and for myself and Alan and Alana is to make Stranaar a destination resort. So we want the people to come with a with with bike company so people can go biking. There's plenty of places to walk and very organised walks. There's uh, golf courses coming out of my ears uh, and a really, really beautiful golf courses with incredible views from Dunscape Port Patrick, looking across to Northern Ireland to Stramar Creekmore to Glen Luce Newton Stewart there's loads to do here and once we got over the disappointment of losing the boats it suddenly made us realise and is making us realise more what's going on this year in this area loads of events every year they seem to be improving and everything all was well attended
0: and so for anyone who's interested in coming to the festival what is the best way to get information if you've got a website and social media and that kind of thing
1: we do the the best way initially would be if you go to Facebook you'll find Strenard Oyster Festival. Uh, if you go into the World Wide Web you'll find Strenard Development Trust with a link there. We are right now in the process and very fortunate to get funding to do to create a brand new standalone Strenard Oyster Festival website. It's an opportunity to spread it a bit further, and that's what the plan is. So they can go onto our website at the moment. Strenard Development Trust. And on Facebook, they will find us under Stramar Oyster Festival uh, and they will find everything they need there.
0: Well, thank you very much. It sounds really, really great and uh, definitely something to look forward to. So, yeah, thank you.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having us. Thank
0: you. I'm now joined by Cara Houchin, who's the editor of Staff Canteen Magazine and presenter on Grilled Podcast. Hi, Cara, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, yeah, good. So we are discussing upcoming events, food and drink events in Scotland to look forward to. Um, But just before we get into what you're up to, could you just let me know a little bit about Staff Canteen and the Grilled Podcast for anyone that doesn't already know?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, So the Staff Canteen is a a website uh, predominantly for chefs. It's about chefs and the hospitality industry. Um, I suppose you could say it's a kind of Facebook the industry because it's like a networking site um so anything you want to know about them it's it tends to be on there and grilled is a podcast that kind of accidentally was created uh i had initially been doing audio versions of our interviews because chefs are particularly quite time poor so they could listen to those and engage with those that way um and it just started to kind of snowball from there really um i had uh um an episode with couples um and I did a few of those so there was a couple of you know there were either couples or they were like brothers and sisters or family in some way that were working in the industry and I really liked the dynamic of having more than just myself talking to somebody um and having other people involved so then Um, It kind of grew from initially my first co-host, which was Michael O'Hare from The Man Behind the Curtain, which is in Leeds. Um, People might know him from Great British Menu and stuff. They'll have seen him on the telly. And he is a lot of fun, very controversial, but also equally a very intelligent and uh, articulate man. So we started it, the co-host, with him. And I've stayed with that theme, really. So Grilled Now is I have a co-host who is a chef and they pick their guests and they talk very openly about hospitality related topics but also you know not hospitality anything that's trending they go in depth about food and ingredients that they love but also restaurants and chefs that they also admire and look up to and wants to watch so yeah it's it's a lot of fun we play some games which are completely unhospitality related in particular we've got um Wheel of Truth which is lots of random questions they don't know what they're going to get until we spin the wheel and they have to just be honest about it so yeah it's it's a lot of fun if you haven't listened to it before and you're interested in chefs and food it's uh, definitely one to go and have a listen to.
0: Nice. Sounds good, sounds good fun um, but you are on the road soon and you're coming up to Glasgow um, which is what we're looking forward to um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we often brainstorm about things that we can do to keep making
2: the staff Canteen and the podcast go forward. And uh, we said, it wouldn't it be fun to do one live? I've got to admit that I did steal the idea from Peter Crouch's podcast. I think they did one in his local Indian takeaway and it sounded like a lot of fun. So, yeah, we decided to do it at the Gannet in Glasgow. Uh, we're up there for Scott Hot anyway, which is uh, why we chose to do our kind of, I suppose, pilot of the Grilled Live there. Um, and we know Peter McKenna from the Gannett very well, and he was up for doing that. So yeah, essentially it is what I've just described as the podcast, but um, we'll all be having dinner and drinking wine and chatting through everything alongside a restaurant full of people. So I guess it's kind of an evening with, so to speak. And we've got some lovely, lovely guests. Uh, so obviously the Gannets Peter is going be, gonna to be joining me on our kind of guest table. Uh, and then we've got um, Adam Handling, um, Mission Star Adam Handling. From, he's got a number of different restaurants within his group. We've got Hardeep Singh Kohli, so comedian, presenter. Uh, he's done a Celebrity MasterChef as well, I believe. Nick Nairn as well. And then uh, we've got the actress uh, Catriona Balfe. Uh, hoping I've said that correctly. Possibly not. <laughs> They'll be joining us. Um, and then anyone lucky enough to get a ticket will be there as well.
0: And so um, for anyone that is joining, obviously you've mentioned you get a meal, but you know, you'll be listening along to the conversation. Will there be audience participation?
2: Yes, absolutely. We encourage audience participation. So there will be... Uh, you know chances for people to ask questions directly to uh, the people that are joining me, so all of the guests will be open to to questions. Um, and as I said, with the podcast, we normally do games, so I have a lot of fun games that we'll be playing alongside everything else. But yeah, definitely encourage uh, audience participation. So
0: it sounds like really good fun. And, um, anyone that wants to go, how will they go about getting tickets?
2: Uh, so tickets are available from the Gannet. So you can either call them directly or email, uh, email them. Uh, all of the information is on on their website. Um, I believe there are still a few tickets left, but it is very small and very intimate. So you have to be quick.
0: Nice. Um, so we've got you've got that coming up um, and you've said it's your pilot. So if you go if it goes quite well, are you planning on kind of taking the format on the road or what are your plans kind of for the for the next year coming up?
2: Yes, uh so we haven't announced it officially yet but we've are doing another one in Brighton later in the year later in the year. Um so I mean you couldn't get further from Glasgow if you tried so we've gone the other end. Um but yes, uh it is a, something that we're hoping will will take off. It's uh, it's a fun format obviously that we've we've discussed and I think if you are you know, you really like chefs and you like food and also bringing in celebrities that have a little bit of a foodie connection It is something that we really want to take around the UK. So definitely keep an eye out for, for more events coming soon. And
0: we love Scotland, so we will definitely be back. And is there any sort of dream chef that you've not yet interviewed that you would quite like to speak to? Oh,
2: I've actually been very lucky. And I think most of them, I think I've got to. I really wanted to interview Gordon Ramsay. That was a lot of fun. He was great. Not, not too much swearing and shouting on that one, then. <laughs> but do you know what? He's uh, definitely a character on TV, and a very different in in person. He's definitely one that I was quite, I don't know, nervous maybe because I was like, oh, I, I'm not sure how this is going to go. But he was, uh, he was actually really, really good. Good fun. Really into it. But yeah, I think actually Marco Pierre White. I've never spoke to Marco Pierre White, so I would. I'd like to have a, a chat with him I think that would be an interesting one but like I said I'm I'm quite fortunate I've met most of the people I suppose you would say as a celebrity chef I've been quite lucky maybe Heston I've not spoke to him before as well Heston Blumenthal he would be an interesting one so and so you're
0: attending Scott Hot this year is that right
2: we are at, at Scott Hot on the same day so eighth and ninth I don't know if that's something that people go to outside of the hospitality industry um but if you do like your chefs it's free to register for Scott hot um it's on the 8th and the 9th and we have uh again i've got a great lineup of chefs who demo and answer questions so if you want to meet uh meet them uh then it's a it's a good place to go You've got people like tom kitchen there and uh, adam handling's doing that as well and roy brett so yeah lots lots going on there. So we're kind of doing
0: a lot in those two days. It's going to be quite full on. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. It sounds great. And uh, we'll hopefully be there on the night. So we'll be in the audience asking questions.
2: yeah no thank you so much for having me on it's been nice to talk about it um and we're, we're very much looking forward to doing it in in glasgow we've got a bit of a soft spot for glasgow i love it there so yeah it should be a lot of fun and for anyone who can't make it we are going to be editing it into a podcast that will go out across all of the channels that you normally get your podcasts on if you listen to it so uh that's and um, you just need to search for grilled by the staff canteen
0: okay well thank you very much thank you I'm joined now by Jamie from Fine Ales. Hi, Jamie, how are you?
3: I'm very well, Ross, yourself?
0: Yeah, good, thank you. And so we're we're going to chat a little bit about things to look forward to this year from you guys. But for anyone that doesn't already know, could you give us a little bit of background on Fine Ales, please?
3: Yeah, so Fine Ales, we're a um, sort of a farm brewery up at the sort of head of Loch Fine, so just about now north of Glasgow, literally right, right at the um, tip, tip of Loch Fine. We've been going out now for about twenty odd years, um, so we sort of should know what we're doing by now. <laughs> Don't always, but we try to, and uh, make a hopefully great range of both car scales and sort of more what people think of more as craft beers. So everything really from good solid stalwarts of the bar like Yarl's our best-selling ale, through to sort of um, IPAs and some more exotic. We also do some wild fermentation products, which are fantastic but, but very different.
0: And what's your role there?
3: So I'm sort of um, owner and managing director. So my my parents actually started the business originally. We've had had a farm there for about a hundred years or so, and you know we had some unused buildings. And Mum and Dad really wanted to do something to bring some employment and some vitality back into the uh, into the area. Actually, it's, it's quite it's, these days it's, it's, it's an area that's got a lot lot of vitality and. Um, energy around it, and so we started off just with a um, small ten. Bar- we call it ten barrel kit, so that's brewing about three thousand pints a time. i in an old dairy back in 2014. We built a much larger, um, new modern brewery in an old sheep shed that my grandfather built back in the 1950s, and that looks quite different to how it looked back in, back in the day when he built it.
0: We're talking on a, a February kind of cold February day, but the spring and summer will be with us before we know it. So, can you tell me a little bit about the background of five? Fest, which is your beer festival, is that
3: right? Absolutely. So I think I think Fine Fest came around um, after dad died and I sort of um, joined, joined the business and took over. And really, I think it came from sort of my brother and my sort of memories of um, growing up in Argyle and what were the best things. And, you know, often the best things were just like sitting around with friends, with some drinks in the Glen, having a great time um, and really enjoying it. And we was like, well, how do we create a little bit of that sort of vibe? So you know the first the first time we did it, it was really small. A couple of hundred people in the the breweries they have got sort of an old steading a courtyard, and you know we just put a, put a marquee up in there, um invited some friends to bring their beers up and um, got a couple of good local bands to play, and you know had a, had a really nice 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 time, and it was like you know a couple of hundred people who all came and enjoy themselves. And so steadily from there, you know, so so we thought there was a platform to build on. And steadily from there, we've just been trying to make it a little bit better each year. From the following year onwards, we moved out of the courtyard, which was really quite small, and into the fields beside the brewery. The the Glen's really beautiful and attractive. Now we use one of the fields right at the sort of, um, in the base of the Glen, or in this glorious natural amphitheatre surrounded by the hills with the river running beside the festival site, and just a short stroll up to where the brewery is as well. And, you know, for the last um, sort of five or six years, you know, we think we've sort of found our size and format, you know, we're a with about two and a half, three thousand 3,000 people. And we tried to put on the best range of beers you could possibly put on in the UK, um, including bringing in beers from overseas. So this year, we're going to be sort of air freighting in a really nice selection of beers from America, for instance. And over the weekend, you know, we'll probably pour 250 different beers. You know, the beers are part of the festival, but it's only a part, you know. For us, beer sort of belongs at the middle of the table for everyone to have a good time with. So, you know, music's been an important component right from the beginning. And these days we have sort of um, three music stages. Mostly, you know, we're, we're trying to put on music that the people who enjoy what we're all about are going to love. So we, we put on, um, it's not big headline bands, but we try to put on a really good creative music program. With bands that you've maybe not, not come across before and a combination of stuff that by the end of the night, you know, we want everyone up and dancing and um, having a really good time. Thanks. And then... Um, we try and put on the best range of independent food vendors we can find, and there should be something there to suit everyone's tastes and flavours. So, you know, that's, that's the core of it. And then around that, we organize some activities. Elaine, one of our team, does a, a fantastic pub quiz on the Saturday. We have a lot of brewers um, from all over the country come to visit and be part of the festival. So there's a lot of brewers talks on. And then we also have um, an old broken-down bothy about an hour and a bit's walk up the Glen. So we'll also do a walker's bar. So if people have... um Had a wee bit to drink on the Friday night and um, need to clear the heads and get some exercise in. And then there's the opportunity to walk walk for an hour or so up the glen, sit beside the river. Hopefully, enjoy the sunshine and enjoy a pint of beer and listen to a little bit more music up there as well. So it's, you know, it's a really nice, it's a varied weekend. Lots of families and children and dogs. And it's just a great little festival. It's got a very, very different vibe.
0: I'm glad you said dogs because I'm going to say you can, people obviously can't see me, but my dog is sitting right next to me. So it's, <laughs> it's nice to know that he could come too.
3: I'm seeing, I'm very jealous. My mind is in the room next door. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you mentioned this year there's going to be maybe some American beers. Is there anything else you can kind of tell us about what to expect from this year's
3: festival? So I think, you know, so last year we had a little foray into doing an opening night on the thursday night and that was a really really successful i mean it's quite nice the sort of the yeah, thursday night we're just opening one of one of the marquees or um stretch tents um and putting on some really nice music so that, so that i think um, we're going to try and build on that for this year and do that a little bit better We've really um, expanded our music budget for this year. So, um, you know, I think we've always, we've music's always been an important component, but we wanted to really try and lift the level of what we're doing on music. Particularly, you know we're pitching for sort of more what I'd call sort of, yeah, you know, musicality stuff that's going to be a little bit different you've not heard before, but it's going to be lovely and really nice to listen to during the day, as well as I said for the headliners in the evening, some people that really get everyone up and dancing and um, enjoying themselves. So that, that should be really good. I think we're going to try and improve what we offer for children this year. Um, you know, it's always been important to us. It's part of the whole. What makes the festival great is, you know, it's a fair. It's a it's a small contained space, and so lots of children can come and they can have a great time. It's just a great environment for kids to relax and enjoy themselves while their parents are also having fun. But we're going to try try and improve a little bit about sort of the kind of um, entertainment that we can put on for children, so they can they can they make sure that they really have a good time and enjoy themselves too. So yeah, all of that will be going on. The range of beers should be particularly good this year. All sort of early days, you know. We have, we all have to do this while we're running a brewery as well, so the plans all sort of slot into place steadily over the course of the year.
0: And just for anyone that's never been before, you can camp and things as well. Okay, you can make a weekend out of it, or you can kind of drop by, you know, every day, or is that? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it it used to be sort of fairly fairly mixed. I have to say, these days almost everybody seems seems to camp. So um, we have a sort of very very much a big campsite and an awful lot of camper vans. Camper vans seem to get ever ever more popular. So, I'd say say the great majority of folk do do come and make a weekend of it that's that's probably almost certainly the the way the way to enjoy it at its best, but we do do sell Saturday day tickets as well, so if you just want to come up for the day on Saturday, enjoy it, listen to some tunes, maybe go to some Brewer's talks or take part in the pub quiz, whatever it is you'd like then you know, that, that also works really nicely as an option too.
0: Where can people find out more information about this year's festival?
3: Uh, so I think the best best thing to do is definitely, you know, our website's findfest.com. And the main thing I'd say to people is if, you, if you're not sure about it, go and have a look at the gallery and gr- browse through the pictures. The pictures really tell the story better than um, any set of words ever will do. You very quickly get a flavour for, for the sort of the beautiful setting that the festival's in and the very relaxed, friendly vibe that, um, you know, there's so many nice people that come because it really is it's it's all about the people and you know the fine fest is a bit unique but really what makes it most unique is just what a great great group of people we have who come and be part of it
0: and do you have a favorite element of the festival
3: a favorite element i guess for me i'm, I'm i've always loved the walkers bar it was something i started doing about um, about the fifth or sixth one just as a little sort of um, addition to go on the go on the side and it's just sort of grown legs. And now these days, I think we probably get a 1,000 or 1,500 people walk up to it each year. Um, and it's just, you know, it's the main festival. It's got this sort of great vibe. It's got a great energy and hubbub around it. So just that opportunity on the Saturday afternoon to go for a nice walk through Glen Fine, which is absolutely beautiful, and then sit beside the river and enjoy a bit of peace and quiet, chat with your friends and then scroll back down the way. That that for me is my 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 favourite bit of the weekend. I think.
0: Yeah, I can just imagine.
3: It, it is a brilliant weekend. Um, you know, ticket sales before Christmas were um, well ahead of what we've sold in any previous year, and um, you know we're not we're not making any, any more tickets available. We we have our size that keeps it small and friendly, where you know we where it just works for everybody. So um, you know, tickets are selling briskly. So hopefully people crack on and buy them, but. Hopefully we'll be able to welcome everyone and make sure they come and enjoy it we also have a very nice glamping option so if you if you're not a camper and you don't have a camper van we have a glamping option so you can have arrive and have a nicely put up bell tent or yurt for you with all your beds made up and we do run um buses and transport in and out of glasgow and to all the local and surrounding villages as well so if people want to book a b&b slot or a hotel place and um need a comfortable bed and a hot shower well, we have hot showers on site but um Uh, there's that as an option as well
0: yeah i was going to say the glamping option sounds a bit more up my street (laughs) i'm not a camper
3: (laughs) yeah it's lovely they uh, they make them look really nice yeah nice comfortable bed and i say we've got plenty of hot showers on site so um hopefully maybe maybe we'll tempt you up to come to do that bring come and bring the dog and um we'll have a nice little yurt and promise you you'll have a really really good weekend you'll love it
0: yeah, no, it looks great. I've never been, but my colleague Sean used to go, and so he's always said it was great. So yeah, I need to need to look into it. But um, what else have you got planned this year? Have you got any new beers coming out, or what's what's the latest for fine ales?
3: Yeah, no, fine 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 ales. You know, we're always we're always on the development plan, and we're always looking to see what's going to be exciting, what's going to be interesting. One of our big things this year is um, our mixtape project. So this is something we introduced about um, about a year ago, um, which is like a sort of series of sort of seasonal IPAs playing on different combinations of hops. So we we're really looking to develop that. So in fact, this year at FineFest, one of the marquees will be the Fixtape Lounge, which is obviously paying both to our musical connotations at FineFest and also this sort of mixture of hops that we're putting in to create a series of different IPAs. So we're seeing if we can't develop an idea to roll that out with sort of um, pubs which really feature music as part of their offering as well. So we're still sort of developing the idea, but you know, certainly the mixtape series of beers as a series that we're going to be really developing and it'll definitely be happening at Fest. But we're also looking to see whether we can't bring that out, that sort of combination of... um Hops and music to outdoor pubs around the country as well
0: oh, that sounds really interesting
3: should be hopefully yeah should, be, should, should work well I'm hoping
0: <laughs> well thank you very much for your time and I look forward to hopefully going to Finefest this yeah. year and yeah it sounds great so thank you very much for letting us know about it
3: excellent yeah but obviously if you're ever coming up to the area we've got we've got a really nice tap room on site as well so welcome people right the way throughout the year not just at Finefest so if you're c- coming past at all come, come and say hello we're always open for visitors thank you very much brilliant thank you very much for your time <laughs>
0: thanks to my guests on this episode and thanks to you too for listening please remember to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Scran Scran is a logical podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me Rosalind Derskin, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton